Do not operate heavy equipment while listening to this show. Thank you. Hey, this is Dr. Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. Today is a special show geared towards pastors, ministry leaders, denominational leaders. I've noticed something, that often we get right into solving problems, into building systems and structures and doing great things without first doing this important step, actually knowing what the needs are in the room. On today's show, I want to address this crucial step that we need to know the actual needs of the people we're serving before we start doing stuff or solving problems on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. Welcome to The Fairly Spiritual Show. I'm Dr. Doug Bursch, and I'm so glad you could join me for this special show. I'm gearing it towards pastors, ministry leaders, denominational leaders, although anyone can listen. I'm sure you'll get something out of it. I've entitled today's show, Know Me Before You Help Me. And I want to address an issue that I think is really important, and I'm seeing this even expressing itself as people are dealing with COVID-19, that often we rush into solving things into doing something. You know, a crisis occurs and we got to do something. We got to fix something. And uh, right off the bat, I want you to know that I'm not assuming that people have bad motives. I'm assuming everyone is trying their best. And I'm not trying to be tone police or trying to tell people that they're bad for doing the things they're doing. But I do think it's important for us to look at what I see is a problem in how the church and how even denominations sometimes operate, especially large churches and large systems and large structures and non-relational structures and systems uh, tend to operate just by the very nature of those structures and those systems. So I've entitled today's show, Know Me Before You Help Me. Now, to let you know where I'm going here, I just want to start with a very basic relational problem, and most of you can relate to this. So uh, in, in marriages, you've seen this happen before uh, in marriage counseling, premarital counseling, maybe in your own marriage, or if it's not even marriage in uh, friendships, there's often this sort of dynamic. Sometimes people make this a gender dynamic that men tend to be a little bit more one way than women. It's not always true this way, but it sometimes seems to be true this way. There are in a relationship, let's say in a marriage, there tends to be the person who wants to just fix the problem. They just tell me the problem and I'll fix it. And then there's the other person who doesn't really want the problem fixed, or at least they don't want the problem fixed first. They actually want to be known. Or actually, they want to be known so the other person will know the actual problem that needs fixed. Now, if you've been in any kind of marriage counseling or helped any conflicted couple, this is often a struggle, isn't it? There's one person just saying, well, just tell me what you want me to do. Or they're like, I tried to do it. You said you wanted the garbage taken out. I took the garbage out. Or just tell me what you want me to do. And the other person's in a sense of like, it's not just about what you do. It's about knowing me. It's about knowing what I need. It's about something deeper. Or it's the things you are doing are actually not meeting my needs. So we know this relational element occurs. We've seen this. This 
is a relational dynamic. So that relational dynamic that occurs in marriages, it occurs in friendships, it occurs in parenting, uh, this can happen as well in the church body. It can happen between a pastor and the congregants. It can happen in a denominational level between a denominational leader and the pastors that they are trying to serve. I'll use an example of this. When I was first married, um, we were very young. We were both 20 years old. We didn't know what we were doing. It was almost like we were playing house, you know, playing pretend. I came home from work. I was working at a restaurant. My wife was like, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? She was working as well, but at the time she was home and she was like, well, I'm going to make a pie. So she had never made a pie before. And so she was making a pie and she was struggling with the crust to go on the top. Now, I actually worked in a restaurant where I had actually cooked a bit and I knew how to make pie crust. And so I came home and I saw that she was upset almost to the point of tears with making pie crust. Now, for me, I'm like, what's the problem? Well, the problem is she can't make this pie crust. So I go, I'm going to fix the problem, right? I'm going to fix the problem. So and some of you already know that what, what's wrong here, right? I'm going to fix her problem. So I said, let me help you fix your problem. So without asking her any questions, without seeing what her real need is, I just take the dough, do all the magic work, and roll it out just in a few seconds, make a quick pie crust, and finish it. Voila, smile at her like a you know, like a dog who's just done a good trick, you know, just before his master, like, look at me, aren't I a good boy? And she looks at me, she breaks down in tears, and she leaves the room. Now, suddenly I realized, uh-oh, marriage is going to be a lot more complicated than I realized. In fact, uh, our joke is she's never made me a pie since. We have a good marriage, but we just, we don't do pies. Well, what what happened there? Well, I thought the problem was that she needed pie crust, but that's not the problem. What, what was the issue going on there? Well, there were all kinds of issues. One, it was just this new married life, and it was trying to figure out how do we connect with each other and how do we serve each other and her own frustrations, and, and what should I have done? Well, not tried to fix things, probably asked questions, saw what her need was. Did she need my help? Probably should have asked that first. Would you like my help? Do you have questions? How was your day? Do we even need this stupid pie to begin with? Now you say, well, what does it have to do with a church or what does it have to do with a denomination? Well, it has everything to do with those things because we see these same dynamics. And I've seen this with COVID-19. Um, when a crisis occurs, when a conflict occurs, and there's so many things going on right now, where immediately you see these conflicts, like churches are not able to meet, right? We're, we're having to do streaming online. So someone sees, oh, churches aren't able to meet. So let's give them a bunch of streaming resources or, uh, you know, finances are bad. So let's give them a bunch of financing resources, or and we just see the problems, and immediately we start giving them resources to solve those problems. But those might not be the actual needs that people have. So let's get a little deeper into this, and, and by the end, I hope you'll get where I'm, I'm going with this. Pastoring attracts a lot of fixers. In health professions in general, I think you find people and, and I'm in this category, so, so don't see me as somehow above this. But pastors are often fixers. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the world. I'm going to control the world. I'm going to get in a situation where I can make a difference, and I'm going to preach messages that change lives. And, well, it does, if the preaching doesn't change lives. I'll hear pastors that. Well, preaching doesn't change lives, but maybe my systems change lives, and maybe my discipleship 101 and 102 and 103 changes lives, or my discipleship pathway changes life, or... Are my developing young leaders changes lives? Are my 
planting new churches changes lives. And we create these systems and structures and these rules of churches that we believe changes lives. And, and they're good things, or at least some of it's good things. I guess some of it could be bad things. But we do a lot of things. And so pastoring attracts a lot of fixers and a lot of doers. And so does denominational leadership, people who are attracted to the idea of, I can put a system in place. I can put a structure in place. I can find a way to build something that will help people grow. Again, these are not bad motivations. These are good motivations. People aren't in a room saying, we don't want to help people. Let's do something that doesn't help them. No, the goal is to help people. They might have good intentions, but sometimes the fruit of fixers is not always good for the soul. Just think back to that simple marriage example. That often in marriage relationships, the person who's not helping in the marriage relationship is the person who's trying to fix everything, but doesn't necessarily understand the emotional needs. In, in marriage issues, often, especially when it's a male-female thing, when the man's just a doer but not an understander, that's often a problem. You have to say, you don't just say, tell me what you want. You don't just do stuff. You actually have to learn to communicate in a way where you understand your spouse. If you guys are going to grow together in intimacy and connection, and you say, what do you mean intimacy or connection? You want a congregation that is connected, where the pastor is connected with the congregation, the congregation is connected with the pastor. You want where a denomination, where the leadership is connected with the pastors, and the pastors are connected with the leadership, and you do not connect through systems and structures and doing and even resourcing with good materials. You connect through understanding through knowing each other, through trusting each other. If you want to build trust and intimacy, it's not through resourcing with, with oh, I gave you lots of good advice. I put a poll out this week on Twitter asking when you wake up in the morning, do you want comfort or advice? And people don't wake up wanting advice. I mean, some people want advice, and at some level, we, we do want answers. But besides just answers, we want comfort. We want understanding, and a vast majority of the people said they want comfort. I gave another silly option as well, and people pick that as well, but only 7% of the people picked advice. And right now we're giving lots of advice, and we're giving lots of, you should do this, and here's the 10 things you should do, and you should be prepared for this, and, and we're full of advice, and we're trying to help people with advice, but people need more than advice. They need connection. But this is how you see this advice occur when it comes to fixers. I've seen this at a denominational level. Well, the church is declining across the U.S., across the world. So someone sees this at a denominational level. They say, okay, the church is declining. So let's bring in a bunch of people to tell you how to grow your church, right? That's a good thing. There's a problem. Let's fix it. Uh, finances are declining. Well, let's bring in experts on finances. Uh, you're struggling with leadership development. Let's platform people who are doing it right. Uh, give classes and seminars and examples on how to do it right and better. Go to a conference, see a workshop after workshop, speaker after speaker, resource after resource, telling you how to fix your broken church. You ever go to one of those conferences and in the hall they have all those tables full of ministries that will help you do a better job of ministering? And they're all kind of based on this. There's something broken that you need fixed. Now, again... These things aren't wrong if there's something in your life that's broken that needs fixed. But if someone doesn't know what's going on in your life, it can just feel incredibly non-relational. 
here's the ultimate problem with this. We're going to fix you. We're going to resource you. We're going to tell you how to fix your problem, but not knowing you. Here's the problem. Very little of this deals with actually knowing what is going on with you. Very little of this deals with actually understanding what's happening with the individual. The fact is, and, and you find this in the church context, I, I'll do it at a denominational level, your leaders, your contemporaries, they don't really know what's happening in your life. And many of you have done that. You've gone to a denominational gathering and they're like, here's the expectation and here's a nice program and here's a ministry class and here's some education we're offering you. And they're offering you all these things and you can take these classes and you can go to this thing and you can go to that thing. But no one ever gets to what's going on in your life or what is God doing in your life? Or there's certainly a feeling like there's not even a valuing of what's going on in your life, that what God is doing in your life is not a problem, but actually a solution that needs to be resourced. In a strong reality, they don't even really know what God has been saying to you. Instead, it's just what others are telling you to do. Your life is just a problem to be fixed. This has happened in the modern era because, you know, the church in America has been declining. So almost all pastors go to denominational conferences where almost all of the conversations are about, we need to do better because the church is declining. And then they'll bring up a few anomalies, exceptions to the rule, and they'll say, we all need to be like this exception to the rule. And so we motivate people by, you're not what you should be. You're not doing what you should be. Be like this person. Be like this pastor. Be like this church. But in that, there's so many people who no one ever knows their heart. No one ever knows what's going on in their life. See, I, I think we need a different approach, whether it's at a denominational level or whether it's even at a, a church level. Like right now, you know, a lot of things have happened at a local level where the church is just being just, I mean, we're being just crushed, right? In our congregations, people are losing their jobs. They're losing their income. They're sick. They're dying. I mean, this is an unprecedented time. This is a time like we've never gone through a time like this. And I'm seeing some churches are like, well, here's the problem. We can't meet together and Easter's coming. And so we need to make sure we keep meeting. And so let's do a nice Easter program and make sure we stream our services right and make sure the people still need a good Easter service and we still need to make sure we reach the lost. And, we, and I'm like, just stop a second. Wait, what are the needs of your congregation? Ask the people. Before we start just doing stuff and solving problems, what are the needs? Because these, the needs that we have today are not like the needs of yesterday. And we can't just go into problem-solving mode. We can't just go into doing stuff mode. We can't just go into keeping ourselves busy mode. 
They might not need a big, well, let's do a big Easter thing to reach our neighbors. They might just need someone to recognize that they're barely hanging on. Just your congregation. People in your congregation are barely hanging on, and they don't need another thing to do. They don't need another expectation of, you're going to reach your neighbors, and you're going to reach, they're barely hanging on. They're hating God right now. They're getting ready to abandon their faith. They're getting ready to curse God and die. And if we don't know that, and we come in and say, you know what the problem is? I know what the problem is. This is what you need to do. You need to all join us and do this, and we're going to send out emails, and we're going to send videos and do just whatever the expectations we're putting on people. If we don't have relationship of what the needs are of the people, and we just start telling them what to do and what to be and how to be, we're doing harm to them, or at least we're not helping them. And my fear is because right now we're very detached from our congregations because we're not meeting together, that churches that are so used to doing stuff and defining themselves as doing stuff will try to overcompensate. We still got to do stuff, and so we'll start doing spiritual stuff that doesn't need to be done. We'll try to defend the fact that we're being paid, and but we're not doing the stuff we normally do, and so we feel guilty about that. So we'll do other stuff because we need to do stuff to defend our worth, and, and God would just say, stop, just stop. And at a denominational level, it's the same thing. Well, we got to help people, so let's give them stuff to do, and let's tell them to do this, and tell them to do that, and resource them with that. And so they're struggling financially, so we'll give them, you know, ways to get loans, and they're struggling this, and we'll give them this, and we'll give them that. And, and these might all be good things, but we're missing the first component is we need to know how the people are actually doing before you have a meeting where you tell them all the resources, before you have a meeting where you, you give them all the, I, I get it, you can do that. You can still say, here's help. Here's where the money is. Here's where the food is. Here's where the bread is. You do need to deal with people's physical needs. But we also need to know where they are emotionally. We need to actually know what their need is. And the reality is some people just need someone to say, it's okay, you're doing a good job. It's okay, you're treading water. It's fine. You don't need to do another thing. Just survive. Just survive this month. Survive it. You don't need to do some great grand thing. Just survive and love your people. Call people, love people, survive. They just need the Heavenly Father to say, I love you and I'm with you and I care for you. They don't need another, you know, come. This conference call is incredibly important because if we're not strategically aligned for the coming year, your church is going to decline and fall into decay. That kind of fear-based, anxiety-based stuff will just crush people. Now, some people might need that, but others need to be known. Here's a different approach. We need to help people discover what God is doing in their lives. And instead of coming and thinking we already know what the problem is and solving it, we need to, to find ways to partner with what God is doing in their lives, to, to ask questions like, what is God doing in your life? What is God saying? And then to listen and to understand and find a way to resource them based on what their needs are, what their issues are, what their emotional state is, what their mental state is, what their mental health is. Know them and partner with them based on knowing and loving the heart of that person and the heart of their ministry. So as a pastor, I have to be careful. Like I say, you know, you all need to be on this online call or you all need to come to this. You know, there's some of the people who they 
It's not good for them to be on that Zoom call. It's not good for them to talk all the time. For them to make it through this, they're going to have very little interaction with you because they need to do that for their mental health. They need to check in maybe once a month or once every couple weeks. For others, they need to check in a lot. Their mental health, their mental stability is very different, and they can't fit into our system and our structure and our program that we're trying to make our force down their throats. That's not why you put you know, systems in place. The goal is to find them, to know them. At a denominational level, the goal isn't just to resource people. It's to know them, to see where they're at. Not just during a crisis, during any times. You know, any conference, I've thought about this for conferences. Conferences at the simplest form is people should be able to come and be able to discern what God's doing on in their life. First, just, God, what are you saying to me? What are you doing in my life? That should be a safe place for them to celebrate what God's doing in their life, to discover what God's doing in their life, and then to find material and people that resource the vision that God has already placed in their heart. The vision should be something already in their heart that is resourced by the denomination, not somebody outside saying, this is what you should be doing, and this is where you should be going, and this is what you're not doing, and this is the system you need, and this is the structure you need. I remember a few years ago, I was at a conference, and this guy who speaks all the time because he has a mega church, and mega churches speak more than other churches, and he was telling us that everybody needs to plant churches, and he made us anoint each other with oil for an anointing of planting churches, was not, which was not a biblical way to anoint people. And now I don't even know if he's in our denomination anymore, and he's just, he's just someone who's kind of arrogant. It's just kind of all about himself. Just a person that's all about himself. He's just, it's about himself and he's doing his thing. But you could just tell as long as he's platformed, he's happy. But if he's not platformed, he doesn't care about me. I could tell he doesn't care about me. He, he does not see me as an extension of his church. And he's telling us, you know, the church is declining and the denomination is declining. And this is what you need to do. And I could tell he didn't remotely care what God was saying to my heart. He was just trying to solve my problems. He was telling me, this is your problem, and this is how to solve it. And then he was telling you, here's your problem. Here's what you need to do. And I remember going back to a friend of mine who had just planted a church, and he was struggling, and he was going through all kinds of conflict. And he had listened to that pastor preach, and he was feeling convicted, like, well, maybe I need to do more, and maybe I need to do what that pastor told me to do. And you could just tell that the sermon was just legalism. It was a weight upon him, another expectation, another thing he had to do. And I was so angry because I thought... This young pastor didn't need to do another thing. He had been following the Lord. He had the passion of God in his heart. He had his own problems. He had his own needs. And that conference should have been about his needs. He should have been able to come there and been resourced based on the vision God had placed in his heart. But instead, now he had to fight against someone else's expectations being placed upon him. And so much of our church growth industry, so much of our church resourcing, so much of the stuff that we do when we gather together is someone else placing their vision upon you. Instead, it should be, hey, we got a room full of diverse needs, diverse giftings, diverse visions. What is God saying to you and how can we support you in that vision? Today's show might sound a little different to some people, but I know it's tracking for some of you out there because, you know, it's not selfish that right now you're doing your best and you don't need someone else to come in and tell you another thing to do. You just don't. 
but you do need someone to value the voice of God in you. And instead of just say, hey, you should do this and you should do that and, and be in this meeting and we're going to have somebody tell you how to do this. I'm going to tell you another church that does this really well and another church that does this really well. You just need someone to listen to you and to say, hey, that's good. Uh, hey, wh- what's one way we can serve you in that? What, what's your real need? Is your real need just prayer? Then we'll pray for you. Is your real need strength? And we'll pray for you. Is it just that you're just struggling with your kids being at home and you've been fighting a lot? Then let's deal with that. So often we're solving people's problems, but we're not because we don't even know them. We're just solving problems to stay busy. See, here's just some thoughts I wrote down. The problem with this approach of just helping people relationally is this doesn't work in non-relational systems. Because in non-relational systems, you can't meet one-on-one with people. That's why larger churches and organizations become more about doing than knowing. Now, I know pastors at larger churches who really work hard to get it about knowing, but it's harder because you have to break people into smaller structures and smaller systems, and you have to structurally make it where people can know each other. But often it's easier to be about doing. It's easier to just do something than to know. It's easier that doing flows one way. It flows from leadership to those under leadership. Knowing is a two-way conversation. Doing is a statement of what should be done. Knowing is a question with uncertainty. Knowing means I can't control what comes next. Knowing means I might have to change what comes next. If I just try to know what's going on in my congregation or I try to know what's going on in the people, the pastors that I serve, it might change what we do next. It's easier to have a system that's in place that I just bring to people. Doing is easier to measure and report than knowing. You can say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to plan a certain amount of churches. We're going to give out a certain amount of money. We're going to do a certain amount of classes. We're going to do a certain amount of seminars. And then you can measure how many people went to this and how many people did this and how many things happened there. So doing is easier to measure than knowing. But knowing is hard because knowing is just what? Knowing is you ask a question and someone shares something and their life is so complicated you can't quickly fix it and so you just kind of have to abide with them. And we have to do that with our congregations. We just have to abide with them where we can't fix it, where we don't know what to do and they're just saying, I'm hurting. And you say, well, I can't fix that with a program, but I can pray with you. To know someone is much more complicated and it's really what relationships are. And I think the church should far more look like complex relationships than simplistic doing. Now, maybe you can't do that with certain size structures, but I hope that would be the goal. You know, with the coronavirus, we are seeing the same issue with the issue of doing versus knowing. There are a lot of well-intentioned people clamoring for what we should be doing. Lots of posts, lots of experts trying to help. And, you know, even at some level, this podcast is an expression of what we should be doing. I get it. I I can't escape that. However, I'm at least trying to have this facilitate more diverse expressions and understandings of what people need. Some people want lists of what to do. There's always going to be people just give me a list. Tell me what to do. They want their problems to be solved. And I'm not saying we don't want problems to be solved. But I think to know what the actual problems are, we need to first know the people. 
However, there are others who simply want to truly be known and understood first. They don't want you to fix them. They don't want you to manipulate them or manage them. They want people to value their unique circumstances and to respect their decisions. For my denominational leader friends, if there's any listening to this, if anything, if you could respect your pastors, less about giving them stuff to do and more about respecting what they do. I hear denominational leaders just talk so poorly about the people uh, who they lead sometimes, where they'll talk as if the majority of the people they lead are doing it wrong. They, they don't even realize it. They'll just talk like, you know, the majority of the churches are declining. Is that Does God hate the majority of churches, or is that just the season we're in? It's amazing the way we talk. Maybe begin to talk with respect about the people you lead and get to know them and maybe respect that God is doing something in their life and what they're doing has value. To respect what they're doing, to value what they're doing, and to resource what they're doing and to give them the resources they're asking for, not the resources you think they need. They don't want to be fixed. They want to be valued and respected in their decision-making. I think that's true with churches. I think that's true with congregants. Let's remember this as we try to help each other. Sometimes the best way to help is to simply ask questions and to validate each person's attempt to make the best decision possible. Know me before you help me. Know others before you help them. Before we rush out and do church as normal, know people. To me, that's the best thing we can offer people right now. Ask questions, facilitate safe environments where we can know people. Thanks for listening. This is the Fairly Spiritual Show. Love you guys. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. I never